0: welcome to the backlog journey podcast i'm your host kevin and on today's episode we are going to be talking about the year-long event that dc comics had um named called 52 uh ran between 2006 and 2007 it was a weekly series um and for this episode i have my co-host uh jordan from the extremely uncanny uncanny website How, how are you doing jordan i'm doing fine kevin how about you I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's uh, good to finally have you back on the podcast. It's been a while, so I'm glad that you were able to join me for this episode.
1: I'm I'm glad you had me here. It's uh,
0: great to be back. Yeah, so before we get into this huge, huge uh, DC Comics event, um, I just wanted to quickly catch up and see what what you've been up to. Um, So what have you been reading, watching, or playing, or anything like that that you want to shout out?
1: Okay. Um as for reading, besides reading a lot of fifty-two for this podcast, <laughs> uh, that took up a lot of my time, I've actually been reading the the new Superman stuff here lately. Uh Action Comics, uh Superman and Batman Superman. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, started a new thing for my on Extremely Uncanny with Call Metropolis Review, or like a weekly column where I'm talking about each of the Superman books, kinda kind of give an update on them. Uh, it's a little slow right now because there's not a lot, but it's going to expand here soon uh, in those upcoming months whenever they launch Supergirl plus uh, Superman and the uh, Authority. Yeah. That book launches in the fall, and uh, Supergirl launches later this summer. Uh, also, I've been reading a lot of uh, just DC in general. Um, after reading this, I've been starting to dig back into some JSA
0: and Justice Society, and nice. some JLA. So I've been reading a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in, in turn, yeah, no, no worries. yeah. And how, what do you think of the new direction that DC is going with the in, in, Infinite uh, Infinite Frontier? Um, like okay, so,
1: uh-huh. Yeah, I like the Infinite Frontier one-shot. I read it. It was pretty good one-shot. It, it means parkour stuff. Um, I've been reading the Superman. That's mostly where I've been reading, though. I have also been reading Suicide Squad, well, I've been picking up Suicide Squad. i got to get caught up on it. Same with Titans Academy. But I'm liking what they're doing with um, Infinite Frontier. It seems to be a lot more of a, I hate to say, go back to basics approach to a lot of this stuff, but it feels like it. It's a simple, hey, we're going to just tell stories and go with it. And yeah, there's some new directions and new status quo. You can still see the remnants of that 5G proposal where the younger kids were going to take over. Uh, with stuff like, you know, Batman being kind of taken a backseat while the new Batman takes over a little bit. He's still Batman, but he's not the only Batman. Uh, Superman's kind of having like a, a weird kind of death watch right now uh, with their books. It's, they're really setting up uh, John, John Kent taking over, his son. that you know, the current Superboy of sorts uh, taking over. And they're kind of setting up the whole uh, Superman of War of Worlds stuff from Future State. So it seems like you could see that 5G stuff still hanging around. Yeah. Uh, not all of it. I think they, yeah, like the Wonder Woman stuff looks like they pulled it up a little bit, pulled off a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, I know I was I was reading Wonder Woman a little bit. It seems like they are they are still keeping to... Uh, I'm not sure how much of 5G is for Wonder Woman, but I know that at least for... Um, it seems like they're bringing a lot of stuff from Future State. Everything that was established in Future State, at least they're giving you the idea that future state is the future of this DC universe, which I'll be very interested in how how long they keep that up for because we know that DC will usually like do this type of stuff, we'll say, hey, yeah, this is it, but then quickly change like a new year or whatever. And some like we'll we have the huge infinite frontier event that is going to take place. And I wonder yeah. how much that I wonder how much that is going to change the direction that uh everything seems to be going towards future state. But I, I have a feeling that infinite that infinite frontier event will actually probably have it where this is the convergent point of like no that's not the future anymore. At least that's what I get.
1: Well I'm seeing from at least action com at least the Superman stuff, uh they're building still on it. Um they're still talking about Superman disappearing, which is what happens in future state. Yeah. Superman's disappeared and he's on war you know that war world with Mongol. Well yeah. action comics and stuff revealed Mongol is the main force trying to drive all this. Yeah, so they're setting up the stuff now. How much of it's going to hold true, it just depends. I think it also depends who, who the writer no. was on the book. I think they're not beholden to the future state stuff 100%. No, but I think the future state stuff is going to have an influence, especially if it's the same writer. So, like Philip K. Johnson wrote, uh, that he's been writing, he's the current Superman and action comics writer. He wrote superman war you know war worlds and i think he also wrote superman the uh house of ale and all that i think he wrote some stuff in there i'm 100 sure on that one so i think that's going to come into play same with like the batman stuff the batman was written by Tinian and four and crew like that seems well, to be happening
0: well it was uh the batman stuff was written by john ridley for next batman and yeah, then the next batman and, and then uh and then Dark Detective, which was Bruce Wayne's story in Future State, was written by Mariko Tamaki, who was who's was the writer for Detective Comics right now. So Tiniandi wasn't actually involved with uh, Future State because he was the, he was still developing his storyline that's for the current Batman run that he's doing with. Which uh, is Future? Is Magistrate? It's Future State? Yeah, no, oh yeah, for sure. It's all Future State. It's all A Day and all that stuff. So I'm yeah. very interested. I'm very interested to see what they do, just because like I've re- I've reviewed i think like a good portion of future state for the concrete revolution and that's like one thing that i'm gonna be very interested because in, there's like stuff like red x's and teen titans and things yeah. like that that it feels like yes they are like future state is definitely you could see how much it's influencing the current direction but i'm i do wonder how hopefully they diverge i, I do hope that there's a divergent point because i don't like like set things set in stone if like writers stick to this is what we already know the story is going to i hope that there's some change like Red X's story, like all the Teen Titan stuff, I really hope that changes, because well, I, I didn't like that Future State story. <laughs> um, it but, probably
1: will change. I will say uh, one, it will change over time anyway. Yeah. But you know, I remember like 15 years ago, actually about the time period we're reading this book, talking about 52, everything was going towards Kingdom Come. That was like the big event set point. Huh. That was like the end game. As you read uh, JSA and Justice Society of America, all of it's about Kingdom Come with Gog and Magog. Yeah and literally one of the arcs is called kingdom back home (laughs) nice yeah so yeah like it seems to be there's they go through trends like they have this definitive future then it diverges
0: oh yeah for sure and that's why i think that infinite front the actual infinite frontier event is going to probably be that um yeah but just because there's so many like even things like where nightwing and batman and different characters are appearing in other books they seem to be different characters in those books too. So it's gonna be very interesting. Yeah, continuity
1: is gonna be a little bit of a mess. Everything's now on the table and it's just yeah. it's when everything's the on the table, it's gonna make a mess, but yeah. But I don't anyways, think it only matters as long as the stories are good.
0: Yeah, which I think for the most part, with my review of that, because I've been reading most of it. I think the only thing I haven't caught up on is the Superman stuff. it's um, pretty good it, and is I, I generally enjoy I'm into it. I'm into almost everything that I've read so far. The only one that I was like Iffy on his Teen Titans Academy, but I haven't read that it. one. Was that, it. It. That, that, that issue was more than any other issue in Infinite Frontier? Was pure setup, um, for so that that and that stood out to me, especially compared to all the other books. Um, but but that's because they have so many characters, they have way a lot of characters, so yeah.
1: tons. Tons is probably the
0: messiest of the
1: biggest so. franchises of DC, I think, but yeah,
0: so. All right, cool. But uh, is there anything that you've been maybe watching or playing or anything that you also want to mention? Uh,
1: as for watching, uh, we're getting caught up on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, um, I didn't watch much of the movies after uh, Age of Ultron. Not so much because I was displeased with Age of Ultron. I liked it okay enough. It's not my favorite by any means. But it was really after Age of Ultron my kids were born and it just made it harder to see the movies. Yeah. Like I caught like Thor Ragnarok. I watched it. and I watched Black Panther, but I did not want. I haven't watched Infinity War. I have not watched Endgame. I have not. I didn't watch. Cap- I just now watched Captain America three, you know, Civil War recently, and we're making our way through Infinity. Uh, uh, Infinity War. Infinity War. We're about halfway through it right nice. now. We're having to watch it piecemeal. Um, watched the Snyder Cut. <laughs> that one quite a bit, but that's just me. I, I like Snyder. I don't. I haven't got the chance to listen to your the, the revolutions podcast roundtable
0: yet. Yeah, that was oh, uh, I
1: posted that yes, what this morning or something.
0: Uh, we put. I believe it was posted on Thursday or Friday. Um, but yeah, wow. it, I definitely had a lot of thoughts. It was <laughs> the one chance I one, the one chance I get to be on the revolution podcast, and of course it's the episode where I'm the most negative out of the out of the, Rock and Steven So they, they, I feel like they uh, I they were me getting no, today.
1: <laughs> I have no idea what Rock would think, but I've I've Stephen was fairly favorable to it.
0: Yeah, I know that. Um. Rock, Rock, Rock was a little bit more favorable than I was. He was more in between Steven and I. He, Steven was the guy that I think the most enjoyed it, but I won't spoil too much of what our, our thoughts were. But I, I think, to to it. yeah, my thought. I think for just my general thoughts of uh, Just just League because I did watch it two two times already. I watched it when it first. See, I've only out. watched it once, and, and I
1: watched it like, over a week.
0: Yeah, and I I, I mentioned this like to my. I've mentioned this to almost everybody I know that are not comic book fans, especially. And I brought this up in the podcast that. much better as a mini-series um like right just watching a chapter chapter because it was broken and you could tell that Snyder broke it up that way with how he ends each chapter um and I generally liked it but there were certain things like I did not like his interpretation of Flash um at all. I didn't like Ezra like I just didn't like Ezra Miller in it. Um I thought Cyborg was Cyborg was awesome. I think cyborg was much, much, much better in here, um, so it was uh for the most part, the Superman story was better um but and ba- I think Batman was was much better here well positioned. position, but yeah, i generally generally liked it, but there was a few things that I wasn't too big a fan of, just I liked
1: what i was I liked how he did the speed force stuff, but Ezra Miller was.
0: Yeah, and I brought this up in the podcast and you guys should listen to it because we do deep dive into it uh, for the, Revo- uh, the revolution podcast. Um, the only thing I didn't like about how he chose to show off uh, speed specifically not just the speed force, but was the use of slow motion. Uh, he used slow motion way too much to um, not properly tell how quickly how quick everybody is. And he did. He didn't. He didn't know if he was going to use slow motion for like dramatic effect or for powers. Um, so that, that yeah, Naruto has my... a thing for slow motion. That's kind of well, his
1: weird quirk.
0: Well, I, I ever... like.
1: I will get. little we'll Sarah, that's not for this oh, conversation. No, 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 no that's that fine. No, but it's, it's fine. definitely a different. It's definitely different. Uh, I agree yeah. with you though. It especially like. I think he laid it on really thick, especially in the whole the big scene with his Speed Force with Iris yeah well oh. <laughs> that was probably the most gratuitous of his slow motions
0: Yo, yeah. you listen to the revolution podcast because i definitely get into that of like of my thoughts on that because there's definitely things on on all that that i go into much further detail along with rock and, and steven they both go into a lot of details we break it down by chapter from chapter so um i definitely have a listen yeah definitely um week. everybody should give it a listen as well um you can find that on all podcast services. I believe it's like on Spotify, Apple podcasts and stuff like that. So, but yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, um, in terms of myself outside of like this past month, I've been mostly catching up like infinite, infinite uh, frontier. I've been reading all that stuff, which I've written, written reviews for and everything. And I've been making my way through um, in terms of non-comic book. So I've been making my way through uh final fantasy 15. still. so I've been playing that just getting into the flow of it. It's, it's been fun. It's been mindless for the most part. I'm not too into the story, um, which I kind of I kind of wish I was more into it because I'm usually into like that's what I, I gravitate toward for Final Fantasy games. But I haven't really gotten it. But I've I, I enjoyed the more action actiony combat that they have for this um, compared to like the um, turn based, um, which like I feel like Final Fantasy has turned into more is like more action RPG than uh, than the turn based.
1: Um, was that around but, like Final Fantasy uh, Thirteen?
0: No, Final Fantasy Thirteen was more turn-based. I think it was more Final Fantasy. I want to say Twelve. Twelve was more the action RPG when we started wow. seeing that because like Eleven was the MMO RP, MMO, and then Ten was uh, still turn-based. So it was like 14's until- MMO and 14's MMO. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a uh, Twelve is when they started getting into the more action RPG stuff where they mm-hmm. they started going into that direction. Um, but and is it more like is- a sort of mana type stuff? Uh yes. And they um like uh, there's a lot of stuff where um it feels like it's really inspired by more MMORPGs in terms of um in terms of its combat system. And then also it, this one is a lot more lenient because like when you're outside of battle, it replenishes your mana and your health as well as you're walking. So, which is which is nice because you're not worried about potions outside of battle, for the most part, um, and especially because all the characters' abilities and everything is tied to their mana supply. So, which you're only really controlling one character the entire time is the main character of the story, um, and you're and it's basically just a road trip. <laughs> uh, for, That's what i you know, heard. It's bunch it, of it, guys it, getting in a car. Yeah, it's it's basically <laughs> guys heading to like heading to the wedding. It's like so, um, but yeah, it's it's fun. I enjoy. I think what's making me stick around it is the character interactions for for the most part. The story still. I'm trying to get into it, but I haven't gotten into it as much as I wish I was. But I feel like that's a complaint a lot of people have had about this game. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to playing more of that and hopefully grinding out more. But. Um, but yeah, all right, so that's pretty much it for myself. Um, so let's just get into this huge event by DC Comics 52. Um, for, so for people that don't know, 52, not, not to be confused with the new 52 that uh, relaunched that DC and did a, a decade ago. So 52 was actually a year long event that um, DC uh, launched right after Infinite Crisis, which was the big event in 2000, 2005, 2006 period. Um, and basically that event, after that event, uh, all the DC comic books jumped one year into the future. Um, so there was a blank period where we didn't know what happened in the one year later where because Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and some other characters basically went away for a while because of the events of Infinite Crisis. Um, so the 52 uh, comic book series actually fills in the gap of what happened to the DC universe during the one year gap period. Um, between Infinite Crisis and the one year later time jump for all the main comic books that DC had at this time. Um, so it basically tells the story of what the DC universe is like without Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman specifically around to to save the day um, for for different reasons. It was written by Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, and Mark Wade. They all shared writing, writing duties, um, writing specific stories, and uh, they did collaborate on on all the storylines that were going on, um, but they did write specific characters or specific storylines, um, which we'll be getting into. Um, so before we get in, uh, into like the events itself, Jordan, um, did you read uh, 52 when it came out or, or before we talked about doing this podcast?
1: Okay, so a uh, little bit of a story time here. So I get into comics about 2007, uh, though I'm aware of them. I get into comics about 2007, so it's a little bit after 52. 52 is over... Uh, it runs from 2006 to, I believe, the very earliest to 2007. After have to look into that, because it runs May to May, I believe. Uh, so I missed out on 52, though I do remember at the time being in the news. It was actually in the news because it was a big deal that DC was doing this weekly comic book series. Now, I'm getting into comics about... Uh, again, 2007. I first get into it with Marvel, but I'm like I really like DC characters. I like Superman. I like Batman. So I'm like hey, let me look into it and I keep hearing about this 52. So I pick up as it's either my first trade or my second. I can't figure it out. I want to say it's my first based on timing. And I pick up 52 volume 1. Uh, the paperback. And at the time, like I said I fit, believe 52 just wrapped up because Countdown just getting started. As I was reading, it was still called Countdown. It wasn't called Countdown, The Final Crisis just yet. As I remember when they changed it over. So I'm reading 52, and I just got the first trade when it came out. Uh, that means they were just wrapped up the end of the series, like 51, you know, weeks 50 through 52. And I remember going to the store, the comic store I went to at the time, still had issues of 52 on the rack um, for sale. So it was still fairly recent, but I did not get to read it live. I did not get to read it in a single issue, but I did read it in collected trade, um, and I read it. I read the first three volumes. Well, I read the first volume a lot because it was one of my first trades, and I fell in love with the story. I thought that was really interesting. I did not read it. Did not read Infinite Crisis. I didn't read Infinite Crisis for another year or so, um, but I really like the characters. I ended up picking up some of the spinoffs that came out after 52. I do remember when Booster Gold launched. Booster Gold was one of the spinoffs off the series. I did pick up Booster Gold when it started launching. So give you an idea, I'm just at the end of 52 when I do pick it up. Um, So yeah, I started reading the first volume. I get the second volume about a year or so later because I finally get a little extra money. Get volume three, and I foolishly don't pick up volume four. (laughs) And it's a trade series, and trade series typically get less and less common as they go, because less people pick up the letter trades. So Volume 4 is ridiculously hard to find for me. <laughs> uh, I ended up buying it digitally, uh, but I've been trying to find a paper copy of fifty-four, uh, Volume four, fifty-two. Uh Not much luck. And I don't want to buy the new collections. I mean, I don't care to. If I already have the first three trades, I just need one more. I don't want to go buy two new collections. Though so I think the new collections have better stuff. I don't know. I'll have to look into it. Either way, so I did read it at the um, I did read it shortly after the time, and I do remember its impact being still fairly fresh. Um, and I do remember how much I influenced DC for several years, and how they did publishing. Because, uh, as I've kind of already mentioned, after 52, they did Countdown, which became Countdown to Final Crisis halfway through. That's not very good. <laughs> it's a universally panned series and then I did uh, then they did Trinity and that was the other big weekly series they did so uh, it was interesting and I did read it like at the time and didn't read it fresh Uh, I know in single issues though there's a lot of added bonus and I wish I did read it in single issues I hear from people who did read it live like as it was was coming out fresh uh, that the reading it week to week the pacing was a lot better I didn't think the pacing had issues and when been reading it, but apparently reading it week to week made the pacing a lot more focused.
0: Nice, yeah. Um, that's interesting to hear because um, I know that I've heard mixed mix reaction from that just because there's, um, we'll get into it when we talk about it. There's th- stuff that's dropped and everything like that um, week to week. So it, it's actually interesting to hear that just because for myself, Infinite Crisis is really where I almost stopped reading comic books, but not because I got not interested in them. It was just cause I entered college by that point. And so Infinite Crisis was really like the last comic book event that I was was able to read it live um, for myself. And while I was before that, I was splitting my time between Marvel and DC for the most part, um, I really like by this point I, w- I only was able to afford like catching up with Batman. So like Grant Morrison's Batman specifically. Was all I was reading. Um, did Morrison's Batman launch after 52? No, it it uh, it, it was first a face to face storyline that was the crossover between Detective and Batman. That was James Robinson. And then after that, it was Grant Morrison with Son okay. of Batman.
1: But it did so. follow shortly after this?
0: Yes, yeah, it, it followed shortly after. So that's um, that, that's, that's why you read Son of Batman. And I was just, I can't remember when it came
1: out because I don't remember. In the books, they mentioned like, I think it goes a lot of Grant Morrison Batman stuff.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, I believe he started. James Robinson wrote Batman and Detective Comics, from what I remember. I'll have to look it up again, um, because he was doing the face, the two face storyline. Yeah, and, that was a one year later story there. Yeah, that was the first one year later storyline for uh, Batman, and then after that, it was Grant Morrison's Bat- son, Son of Batman, and everything else. All the Damian, Black Glove, and eventually yeah. Rip, yeah. R.I.P. Mean, and Final Crosses. Yeah, and then uh, obviously Battle for the Cow and everything. But yeah, for myself, I was I think the only DC comic book I was reading between this and like 2010 was really Batman and a couple other sites, the st- side stuff as I was able to afford a little bit more. But I definitely oh man, it's didn't like re- the golden age of DC. I definitely didn't read 52. Obviously, with the uh, like com- the introduction of Comicsology and like the, now the the apps, I've been able to go back and read a lot of it and experience a lot more of this era um but 52 was definitely one i didn't read until this binge watch this binge read i mean i'm sorry about that um just because it was so much but i I was like oh hey you know what that's why i wanted to do this podcast because there's stuff that like this that are huge things that i know a lot of people i've read that are in my inner circle that keep talking about it now i thought it was a perfect time to go through 52 large issues plus some side content that was tied into this of uh so just experiencing what so many people, so many people I know experience that well. So, um, I wish I could get this in singles, but I'm afraid to see how much the Batwoman <laughs> premiere issue cost. Right. Well, maybe you'll be lucky and get it in a garage sale like one of our friend Chris did. <laughs> well,
1: that's what Brandon did. isn't he? he actually, Chris gave it to Brandon.
0: Yeah. I did yeah.
1: see a uh, used bookstore. They had a bunch of them like packaged up for like 10 bucks. But I'm <laughs> like, it was just a random smattering. And I'm like, I'm just really worried how expensive that Batwoman
0: got on my kiss. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, for in the most part, um, just now let's get into the actual story itself. Um, as we gave our background on our experience with Fifty Two, um, so basically, be especially specifically between like issue one through forty nine, um, this story is basically has. There's a lot of subplots going on. There's a lot of characters involved. But for the most part, I would say it's about six different major storylines that take place. One of them is the question storyline where uh, the question uh, recruits Renee Montoya to help him out with a, with a case. Um, and this is also where we, we get our introduction to Batwoman and a lot of the Gotham City stuff until that obviously converges with uh, Black Adam, which is the other major storyline is the Black Adam's journey throughout this. of so, like we see him basically creating a Black Adam family um, and uh, just kind of seeing how his evolution goes from being, I would say a bad guy to being more of a family man and being more open to relationships with other superheroes and stuff like that. Cause we see the captain, like his relationship with Captain Marvel develop over this time. And even like the JSA is, gets involved in here as well. Um, So that's the second major storyline. We also have the um, this without Superman around because since Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman are around uh, Booster Gold decides to step up and kind of be the, the guy that uh, tries to fill in fill in the hole for specifically Superman, but um, but su- that that success goes to his head. So a lot of Booster Gold's storyline is his uh, fall from like rise and fall from grace, and how that leads into another big storyline where we see the things with the multiverse, a lot of stuff with the multiverse uh, that's established after Infinite Crisis. Um, be brought back up into play that goes into his uh, miniseries that happens after this. Then we also have the Every, Everyman project that uh, is basically Lex Luthor's project to give everybody superpowers, but reality is he, he just wants to become Superman. And it kind of brings into Infinity Inc. This is where we see the Teen Titans as well. And, and a lot of other Superman related characters get involved as well. Um, and the, the fifth story is the mystery in space. Um, story which involves Adam Strange, Animal Man, and Starfire, and later on Lobo as well. Um, so, and this deals with the aftermath of the Ran, Ran Thanagar War, um, as well as the aftermath of Infinite Crisis, where we see because these um, Starfire and Animal Man, from what I reco- recollect, uh, were involved in Donna Troy's uh, space story in Infinite Crisis, and kind of spins off from there. Um, so, so we and they're they're probably the characters that are most separate from, from the, everything else that's going on on earth because they are the only ones really dealing with the cosmic stuff. So we got a lot of the cosmic DC universe established here. And then the final storyline is the um, Ralph D- Dibby storyline which is where we also get the cult of Connor and his r- trying to deal with the death of uh, Sue Dib- Dibney um, and how that fallout happens and also the fallout of Connor Kent's death as well and how Ralph Debbie gets involved with a cult basically that also includes Cassandra uh Cassandra Sandmark and then we also get more kind of convergence of like Dr. Fate and then the Justice League is also gets involved in this story as well um and but yeah we have those basically six storylines going on for I would say like specifically the the first half of 52 is dedicated to these six different storylines as we get to the second half of 52 we see more convergence of like a lot of these storylines start interacting with each other. Like the question, uh, everything with Renee Montoya and question gets involved with Black Adam and the Everyman project with Booster Gold storyline and stuff like that. So um, we see that all the way up to like issue 49 which uh, gets into the World War Three storyline. That's a fallout of the Black Adam um, story as well. So we see a lot of that. Uh, we see what how, how the rise and fall Black Adam leads into basically him becoming the ultimate super super villain and taking on the entire DC universe by himself with, um, and we we see how how that turns into um, impacting specifically Captain Marvel uh, family and Martian Manhunter story. I think those are probably the biggest characters impacted by this on top of Black Adam. And then the final few issues deal with basically setting up the one year later uh, stories that where we see um, all the characters um, into one year later. That time jump that takes place at that time, and how different characters end up where they where they are for for the most part. So, so yeah. So that's pretty much it as an overview of what Fifty Two is about. And now let's kind of just get into talking about the entire thing. Is um first off, before we get into any specific storylines, what do you think of the overall structure of Fifty Two? Of like, um. That that this story had with all four writers um, collaborating.
1: Okay, uh, so <clears throat> it felt very much like an anthology series, um, like an old school comic anthology series, but the difference being instead of every week you get this dedicated story, like you know thirteen, like twelve pages of a story with like two pages here and there, it was more organic feeling in some cases like they would flow and they would do setups you would see them disappear for a week. and one of the interesting thing was the premise of 52 being everything happening in real time because the central if you look at the if you look at the pages, every page is notated every section or every scene is noted usually with the day of the week, the week number and in some cases the time. So you'll say week 34, day 4 metropolis. And it kind of gives you an idea of how things are flowing. So while characters may drop off, like you don't see like for a good portion for about 10, about 12 weeks, you don't see Booster Gold or Supernova for quite a while. You know what's going they disappear, but then like their stories in stasis, they're just doing something off panel and then it comes back. Or uh, the space stuff, cos- the, uh, Adam Strange cosmic stuff. Uh, the Countdown to Avenger, I think that's what it ends up being called later as a spinoff. Uh, they do their own little thing. And they can see the passage of time is just weird. And I do like that, though. It gives it like an organic feeling. And I did find the structure pretty well. Um, you can tell which storylines were their main storylines based on when they wrapped up. um For instance the infinity uh luther everyman project you know the steel storyline that wraps up pretty early wraps up like around issue 47 of the series it wraps up well before everything else
0: yeah and um that that definitely is something that stood out to me um just binge reading it too is um is how how certain storylines like you mentioned just fall off after a (laughs) while like where we don't see characters for an extended period of time like i think the Characters that are most impacted by that is the um, Starfire, Animal Man, and Adam Strange group, where you get like we'll get one issue dedicated almost completely to them sometimes, but then we don't see them for an extended period, or we'll just check in on them um, here and there. So uh, that storyline always felt like a a thing that um, while important to the important because it's established early on what they're doing, and we always come back to them. Like I I sometimes would go I would forget especially because we get so much black adam in here or booster gold storyline or the infinity Pro- like we see big events happening in the other major storylines that are going on so i feel like almost i agree that the spacing and i do like the day they how they broke it broke it up per day and showing you hey this is day 1 this is day 2 of this week or whatever but that that structure also causes some stuff to kind of be lost i feel like lost in the shuffle or certain characters that are introduced i think it specifically hurts more the minor characters like the Teen Titans get involved in this, but they pop in here and there. Even though it seems like they, they have a major story that's going on in the background, we never really get a good idea of it. It's mostly about like I would say the question the question story with Renee Montoya uh, and Vic Sage. Then we have the Booster Gold. We and then Ralph Dibby and and Black Adam are I would say are, are the stars of this for the most part. And everybody we else
1: also like, add the uh, Metal Men only enough get a pretty big feature, especially yeah. in the back half of the book because it gets tied in heavily to the um black adam stuff it starts off like this weird non Ecuador. like why are we talking about metal man why are we talking to tio moro of all yeah. people and all of a sudden oh <laughs> cuz they get to Oolong island and it's just like yeah. oh it's uh just took a turn so I like, I like i do like how they connected the stories it just it did have a weird some people would drop off yeah. um also one of the it's kind of a neat trick speaking of the metal man story so in the metal man story they actually, use the timing for their advantage. So, early in the story, the metal man story, it's a subplot tied into Adam, uh, Black Adam because it's eventually turned into all these mad scientists of DC Comics getting rounded up to work for Intergang, Gang, uh, with what's his name? I'll say it right, um, uh, Shang Zong, Shang Zu. Uh, they have to work for... They work for Shang-Zu with Gang, and they're going to make the weapons of mass destruction these mad scientist weapons. And they... That's the central... It's a plot against what we did the Black Adam stuff. But early on it seems really weird because one of the first stories we see is uh, Tio Moro, and... Oh. All of a sudden I just blanked his name. Uh, the Avenger the Metal Man. Oh, crap. Either way... I'll come to me when I think of it. Anyway, the story with him is he goes to see Tio Moro every month, and his story literally just only shows up every four weeks. So you can actually look at the first like four or five issues for sixteen issues or so. He only shows up every so many weeks. Like it's literally just a nice little novel. They play on the fact that there's a set schedule, and they kind of go with it. So it's kind of cool. They also do stuff with the holidays, which is always neat. Have a holiday.
0: And Dr. Magnus, um, was there yeah, a... Dr.
1: Magnus. Thank you, yeah. thank you. It was blanked on me. I was like, Oh, I can talk about this stuff. No, Doctor yeah. Magnus, yeah, sorry. Right.
0: Major...
1: I was looking that like, up while we were talking. One thank you because he's kind of he's a major character, he's one that we don't listen in the storyline because he's really heavy into the Black Adam stuff. Yeah. But, um, his little story, he's got his own little micro storyline,
0: yeah, and, and I think. Like, I was going to say, because for for myself, especially, I think the character that most benefited from this, like, daily structure or, like, weekly structure for the series is Black Adam to me. It's because oh, yeah. we we definitely, like, out of all the characters, like, I would say it's probably between him and the question. Yeah. The yeah. question are, like, the, probably the two biggest uh, stories that we spend most time with. But I think in terms of the strength of it is Black Adam's evolution, because for me coming into it, I still even though we have The Rock coming up and obviously they're turning him into more of a superhero with joining the Justice League right now and uh, Infinite Frontier. I've always considered Black Adam a villain as like a bad guy. And like, we, he's always been portrayed as like this extreme nationalist uh, who who always goes against like the GSA. and. What's funny Omar is family. though,
1: uh, it alludes to it in the book. Mm-hmm. You may not recall because you didn't, I don't think you were reading at the time. In JSA, he actually was a part of JSA. Was he? Okay. Yeah, uh, they've alluded to it in the book a few times. He actually was a member of JSA because huh. uh, JSA probably has a bigger role in this comic than like the yeah. JLA ever does because JLA is completely broken apart without the Trinity, without Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. So it's a lot of JSA. And even there, they're kind of a tatters for a good portion of the book, but they are the ones that leave the charge. Uh, which i think is actually pretty interesting but that's beside the point yeah he's a part of jsa for longest time and he quit jsa to go overthrow Kondak, his home country to take it over from the uh, dictator and in the process of becoming a dictator so what's interesting is throughout the book we hear towards especially towards the end when adam black adam has his world destroyed because what happens is as we, black adam gets a family he uh, he says he's going to make a he's he trying to make a power structure that rivals the United States and their superheroes. So he starts to align his country with literally like a litany of every negative country you ever hear in the media, especially from the mid two thousands. So you hear him aligning with China, you hear him aligning with North Korea, aligning with Syria, aligning with yeah. Russia. He's aligning with all these. Uh, you know, you know antagonistic or opposite forces of the united states in their structure and kind of make this like basically a big pact basically hey we won't mess with each other and we don't tolerate people coming in our airspace and it starts off with that to where he ends up meeting isis the girl who becomes isis uh adriana is that what his name is yeah
0: adriana adriana adriana
1: tomas um he ends up getting Adriana Tomas through... Intergang tries to give it to her as a, like a slave, like a bartering chip, because Gang wants to have free passage through Kondak. And he says no. And through the process, he falls in love with this woman. He gives her the power of Isis, the goddess, the Egyptian goddess, which leads to some really unfortunate phrasing in the book because of what happens about 10 years later with Isis, the terrorist organization. Yeah, There's a part where Vic Sage goes, Isis is right and I'm just like, why? But either way, so he meets Isis and he gets falls in love with her and he finds her brother, make a Black Marvel Jr., Black Adam Jr. And it's really great, really tender. They even get their own talking tiger and Sobek the talking crocodile. And you're like, oh my gosh. So he goes from a hero, he's kind of not necessarily a villain. Black Adam was never really was a villain. And they talk about this. Heck, he never was a villain. He was very easy to predict and understand he was antagonistic but he like you said he was a nationalist so he cared a lot about his country he cared about his people but he acted under very principled understanding and that's the problem pretty much how the book goes he's not really truly a villain he's not necessarily a good guy but he starts becoming a good guy he becomes like he's got captain marvel like a real good stand-in for captain marvel and like a really positive force and he starts changing his ways, and Andrew Gang gets really fed up with him and tries to destroy him with the help of the Chinese government.
0: Yeah, and, Bye, and that, that was like just an interesting thing for me, is just because, like I said, I've like just because I don't have too much experience with Captain Marvel, which is we know now they've renamed that Shazam, Shazam franchise. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it's very interesting to read it because I've like Black Adam in terms of his character i've always i've only seen him in stuff like disease and other storylines where he's always painted as like kind of a bad guy yeah um, and, uh, um or or somebody that like he doesn't get along with any of the superheroes like he's always been like stay off my country stay out of my country or else i'm going to kick your ass um kind maybe. of attitude like yeah he and he will and he will he's like he's going to he doesn't care if it's batman or 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 superman that's facing him he he tells them hey Stay out of my country. I don't want you guys around. If you guys step your foot in here, I'm gonna kill you. Um, yeah, he did that this past month with the yeah. Justice League. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, so um, so that's kind of why I've always seen him as a villain because I've seen him just go up against all the superheroes. Yeah, he's but it's antagonistic. very interesting. antagonistic. Antagonistic. Um, interesting. yeah. But it it, was and, it? Uh, uh, what? yeah, what I was just gonna say is that just following this in terms of the daily structure, especially like, helps his character the most because we're able to spend so much time with him. And just kind of see his relationship with Adriana develop when she becomes the kind of re, re, like for him the representation of ISIS, so the the god not the goddess, not instead of the terrorist group. So, um, so
1: um, um, ISIS is
0: defense they don't call themselves ISIS, they call themselves Daesh. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but anyways, ISIL. I think it was very good to ground uh, Black Adam's character with this with uh, Adriana slash ISIS um, the relationship there. Like we see that naturally build out and. That helps when, like, we get Captain Marvel and Mary Marvel I- introduced into this and seeing their relationship with Black Adam kind of develop over time. Because we see that Captain Marvel um, slash Shazam, he's very much into, like, this change for Black Adam. Like, he sees that, like, they become much more, like, you could see them become friends, basically. And he's he's very much, hey, Adriana is helping you become a- almost a better, per- a better person because you have someone you love. You actually are having these other emotions than just like hey i'm just defending my my country he has actually mm-hmm. people he cares he cares about it and i think that is a very good way to ground it and especially when we have like mary marvel who still is like i don't trust black adam especially when we first see her um so we kind of see the two sides um and it kind of gets you accepting his entire arc of like hey he's actually a pretty good guy um and it, it leads into like just a- making adriana as well as as a very good character and makes you like I, I almost enjoy Adriana's arc more than Black Adam just because I, I like how she grounds him and then her relationship with her brother and just bringing more of a family dynamic to the to this entire story for Black Adam instead of him just being an extreme nationalist.
1: Yeah. So one of the things in the liner and the backness, if you read the collected editions of 52, they have editorial notes. Um, that's actually one of the big benefits of being a collected edition is it talks about stuff you normally don't get to see. And they talk about Black Adam. He's mentioned quite a bit because, like uh, as, as Kevin pointed out, he's the main character of the story. He's, and Fifty Two is pretty much the question, and Black Adam, and everything else in between. Because uh, that's really a large part of the story. Uh, their storylines overlap the most. And with Black Adam, they talk about simple things. First off, Black Adam. Throughout the series, you see him actually have visual, visual motif changes. He starts wearing a cape like Captain Marvel he wears it starting at the wedding but after that point he's wearing the cape all the time, the side cape is, you know, Captain Marvel's famous cape he has one too, nobody ever talks about it but he has one and you know he gets a black cat. he gets a family, he gets his own Marvel Junior, he gets a talking pet and he gets all these subtle you know, signifiers that he's changing but when they and so into spoiler territory and stuff which we have been it's also a, almost a 20 year old book at this point um whenever intergang sends the four horsemen of apocalypse as in dark side apocalypse on top of black adam uh we see him lose all those attachments he loses his marvel junior he loses his talking pet he loses his wife the cape gets ripped off he has his entire world change So before he was an antagonistic individual who often was the villain of the story, but he really wasn't the villain. He was mostly heroic. He just selfish or nationalist, you know, he changed from that to straight up super villain to where he leads to the genocide of an entire country and the land.
0: Yeah. And, and that's, uh, it's very interesting because we see that um, kind that storyline with like Booster Gold and other characters where they have this one more one bad day moment kind of where like what happens when everything gets destroyed around you um, mm-hmm. and we see with, with Black Adam like when, when his, his entire family that he built up over these like what was it 40 like 40 something weeks 47
1: um, I think it's like they, yeah about yeah
0: for, like so this from the time yeah because then it goes into like like the like the last few issues are just him building up to take on the entire DC universe, basically, um, and I like when he takes on the mad
1: scientist the best.
0: Yeah, so, um, so it's very interesting to see their take on what happens when a character builds up a family and has this like finds this love basically that they never they never knew before, and that entire thing is taken away from them, and then compare that to how like Booster Gold, like when we get into the Booster Gold storyline, we see him like he has kind of similar. Rise, where with his success of him becoming like kind of taking over for Superman, and then all that taken away, and we see how his attitude changes when, like his entire world crumbles as well, of uh, like where he gets exposed basically as a fake superhero, and um, and, and and how he deals he, that, and how he deals with that. I think he exposes himself as a fake superhero on purpose, though. Well, he does, and but it was just interesting because like at least that's the few like. We don't know that when it first happens, um, and that's not really explained because we like this is all also getting spoiler territory of all this because we're we're in spo- full spoilers now. Um, yeah. The current day, uh, Booster Gold does not know that because when we get into him, once he discovers that, we don't know that he discovers it until he becomes Supernova. Or yes, super. Uh, he comes back from the past, like he's like a future version of Booster Gold or whatever. But it's no, just Supernovas himself. It's currently yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, the yeah, Present yeah. version.
1: But yeah, he comes back like twelve weeks early.
0: Yeah, he comes back twelve weeks early and all this stuff. But it's very interesting to see, just in terms of we don't know that until until the, like all that stuff is revealed. With we find that out with Skeets of like how Skeets is basically having his heel turn um, and giving. You know about how Gold... Captain Marvel villains have made this story.
1: <laughs> this Mr. Mind's a Captain Marvel villain. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and that, like that's the a, main villain of this. And yeah, and I didn't know that before this, of like of all that too, of just how the reasoning for Skeets' uh heel turn in this was like it that, that was one storyline that kept me very invested in this because I didn't know who Mr. Mind Mind is or anything like that. I was just like, What's why is Skeets suddenly turning turning his back on Booster Gold? What is going on? Why is he acting the way he's acting? And I thought that was another strong storyline of like it kept me invested in terms of discovering what, what's going on um just because like yeah. i've skeets has never been a character to me he's always been like the guy that from ju- the justice league uh unlimited of like making um being the straight man for booster gold so it was very interesting to see his character like him become a character on itself instead of just always being like the booster gold sidekick well, I
1: thought it was interesting at uh, again to the Booster Gold stuff and you know, how it connects into the Black Adam. So the weird connection between all these storylines, it's kind of funny. So it all starts the timeline stuff happens, but what really happens is Dr. Savannah, a Captain Marvel villain, finds Mr. Mind and begins a dummy way with this stuff that he calls these time particles. I can't remember what he calls them. It's just technobabble, and he causes Mr. Mind to metamorphosize. Well, the person who finds Mr. Mind's metamorphosis is uh, Dr. Magnus, Doc Magnus. Doc Magnus ends up taking it home with him, where Booster Gold meets him in the lab to work on skeets, allowing Mr. Mind to then infest skeets and becomes Mr. Mind's metamorphosized state, because he literally uses skeets as a cocoon of sorts. So it's been interesting how those storylines, three different storylines, overlap, and also how this this the whole series is pretty much it's all Captain Marvel villains, in some form or another.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure Shang Zu is also a Captain Marvel villain.
0: Yeah, and it, it's actually very interesting to see how how much everything just kind of converges into the Black Adams sto- like storyline because everything basically that we see going cool. in Fifty Two, just kind of converges into. It's because the Black
1: World Adam storyline is the. Uh, I mean he's, the Black Adam storyline is pretty much the inter gang storyline. Yeah. And if you really want to point out 52 is not just a Captain Marvel's thing, it's inter gang. Yeah. And in Captain Marvel's inter gang. Like inter gang's involved in the Ralph Dibney storyline to some extent. They overlap a little bit. But it's a lot of um uh,
0: the question involved. Hip-
1: yeah, the question storylines, all dealing with the Crown Bobble, the Metal Man sub storyline, World War Three storyline, that's all inter gang. It's two sides of intergame, so it's interesting to see how this comp, this core, uh, this organization rose. Also, you see intergame payoff big time in Final Crisis. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so so yeah, it's just all interesting to see that. Just because, like, I think the Booster Gold is the first storyline where we start seeing him mingle with with other, with everything else going on in Fifty Two as well, um, because. Booster Gold is kind of taken out very quickly in this uh, in this series for for a little bit where he we think that he disappears because he like he dies, um, sacrificing himself. Um, has which, the
1: best funeral scene ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, he
1: has like a clone of Abraham Lincoln.
0: <laughs> but yeah, and, and it's also interesting to point out too is that with the Booster, with the Booster Gold before what is it before his death he also discovers that the timeline's broken as well. Because we see that big chalk, like two chalkboards, the fifty-two chalkboard, the fifty-two chalkboard, where like kind of teasing out stuff that we would see in, like, what is it, one year later, and like a lot of stuff that would happen in the future. Side note, because you didn't read DC comics at the time, let me talk about this. Yeah. So
1: the fifty-two chalkboard is like, it was the obsessive thing for people to read over, like, because there was everything. Most of it was explained. It was just foreshadowing what happens in fifty-two. But there's also some stuff that wasn't. So people back at the time on the fan sites and stuff, we would pour over the 52 chalkboard looking for hints of the final crisis and everything else. It was like the obsessive thing. We wanted to know what was going on. Why is there this chalkboard? And it was, we tore it apart. I just wanted to point that out. Also, side (laughs) note, uh, listeners, uh, uh, what's his name? Shang Tzu, that's actually a
0: Wonder Woman villain. My bad. Historically speaking. No worries. How like that? Uh, and I thought that was interesting to bring, like that we saw that fifty-two chalkboard introduced because we see that um, early on in the series, like as the back, because for the most part, the backups, especially in the last, I would say two-thirds of it, is all just origin stories. But the first dozen or so uh, backup stories deal with like Donna Troy Discovery the new multiverse that spins out of Infinite Crisis, and her kind of. I didn't read with, that. Yeah, so it's the all all is the this, back all, all like the on, backups. Oh, it's not in that. Oh, okay. It's yeah, not the collected edition. You had to buy the companion. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So the so all the the back like the backups for I would say the first dozen or so issues um show basically Donna Troy uncovering the the every the history of the DC universe and all the characters and how like all the continuity changes and how like with Jason Todd's resurrection, questioning all that, questioning oh the Earth 2 Justice League, um and the different crossovers that we had before that like basically crisis on infinite everything before crisis on infinite Earths, post crisis on infinite Earths zero year or yeah and like all all the all the basically all the big events that have happened and how that splintered off into the multiverse which we kind of see in the the last couple issues where it boosts your gold story but it was always just interesting that we had that chalkboard um up here and like even though I know what happens um, in terms of the general stuff, it's it's cool to see that type of moment in, introduced here because that is something that you give fans to just pick apart, like and and build investment into what is actually going to happen in the future. And I'm sure I would have been in, in those forums as well, like picking picking apart that chalkboard because I was already zooming into it when when I was reading on the on the app. Um, and just seeing how much of that I remember like actually taking place with Final Crisis and everything with the one year later storyline and, and between that. So um, I thought that was a cool thing to introduce into that.
1: Yeah, it was probably my favorite little tidbit like on the early editions. But yeah, it's weird that the 52 volumes like if you buy the collected editions, even the newer collected editions. Oh. They do not include the backup stories, which most of them is just the origin stories. But like yeah, you said, yeah. the first
0: 13 or so is Donna Troy's history of the universe thing yeah because and, I was going to say I was going to just look it up but yeah it's basically uncovering that because obviously like I would say for the most part everything else is secret origins after that because and that's one of the things that kind of annoyed me because they kind of set up in those backup stories that Donna Troy would somehow converge into the 52 main story which she she, she,
1: she kind of does at the
0: end but she, she, the she does that. Be, she does at the end, but really not the way that they kind of tease it because she ends up, by the end of her backup story, she meets Anti Monitor. Mm-hmm. But. Oh, so I thought it was the monitor. Or monitor, possibly? Let me see. Yeah, Anti Monitor's like big ah. helmet dude, like scary looking. He, oh, he, he just looked like Anti Monitor. Pink at, face like dude. That.
1: Pink face dude with like yeah. three straps
0: on his head. That's a regular monitor. Gotcha. Just one second here. Um, But but yeah, so it's just very interesting to see that. Um, that storyline almost dropped right away. Um, it's not
1: really, though, because what like, ends up happening is she ends
0: up having a part of Countdown. Yeah, but I mean, in this where story, she because uh, she she um, she does Yeah, you're right. It is monitored that she meets. But she meets him in issue 11. So it's the first 11 issues. And so she has this big meeting where you recognize the monitor, and then you don't see Donna Troy ever again until she comes back as Wonder Woman later yeah, on. That confused
1: me, by the way. And, I didn't realize it until recent told her notes.
0: So yeah, so so that was that was one of the things that I was just like, and kind of example of if it feels like there were storylines that they meant to tell in within this Fifty Two that were just dropped, like the Teen Titans. There was a storyline with the Teen Titans and the mess that they were in, and like this this organization, even though Gar, like Garfield Logan Beast Boy tried to keep them in, like keep the team up, but and you kind of see them appear here and there, but they just never like have us their own storyline. They're just kind of like minor supporting cast members for the most part.
1: While you and, can while that is true, I while they didn't didn't have a feel like they should add a storyline like they were trying to. I did like that they didn't. Uh if only because one the one thing I like about fifty two is it it looks at the lesser story lesser heroes. That's yeah. probably the coolest thing about fifty two is that it looks like these side characters that nobody would really look at like would you read an elongated man miniseries? Oh no probably
0: and not. oh no and but, uh, that, that, and I agree that that's a great thing about this because that is definitely the thing I enjoyed most about this. But it was just weird seeing those no. kind, of, those type of story. Like like I said, Donna Troy, who, who is not a very big character. Like we she's don't get, kind of a big deal. Like, we always have to ask, who is Donna Troy?
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. No. What I liked about it though, about, about Titans or the DLA, <laughs> the the that was awful, is it kind of gives the world this lived in experience that it's not just happening in a vacuum. Yeah. So throughout the stories, in addition to all the plots, there's also the Trinity shows up just a smidge mm-hmm. here and there. The original Trinity, Trinity like you see, a, you see some Batman. Batman gets a little bit of features here and there, uh, made, mostly through Dick Grayson and, uh, um, and Tim Drake. Tim Drake. I want to say Jason Todd. I'm like, it ain't Jason Todd. hasn't been Jason Todd since the eighties. <laughs> Yeah, and then you uh, see, and
0: you also see Clark Kent as a reporter, basically, um, as oh, yeah. well.
1: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you see that, and then you see they—they do- they really did not know. They did not know what to do with Wonder Woman. That is, by the way, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you read the editorial notes. Greg Rucka says we did not know what to do with Wonder Woman.
0: Yeah.
1: Like we wanted to include her. So what they did was, so in the most of the book ends up overlapping in a couple locations, and one of the main locations is. The Himalayan Resort. What do they call it? It's like Nama Roth. What is it? Yeah, they have in the. Either way, it's uh, this retreat, this Himalayan retreat. Uh, the question storyline overlaps there, along with the
0: Nanda Pur Dot.
1: up. Don't yeah,
0: yeah that the the league, okay. the league of uh, assassins place and all that. Yeah,
1: the league of assassins place. So the question storyline goes there first, pretty early, and then it comes back there. That's where
0: it, it largely ends.
1: Uh, but also we see it with Ralph Dibney, his storyline. We haven't really talked about his yet. No, we'll talk about that here in a moment. Uh but also it detects the Batman storyline and they just saw it of a sudden go, Yeah, you know what? Wonder Woman's here too. Yeah. And Greg rucka is salty as can be about that in the entire time. Cause you know, he's probably the only one who's wrote Wonder Woman the most out of the bunch. I don't think Wade's wrote a lot of Wonder Woman. Well, Morrison's well, famous for not writing a very good Wonder
0: Woman, oddly enough. Well, Wade did write Wonder Woman in his Justice League run.
1: Same with Morrison, but most people will say Wade's, Morrison's version of Wonder Woman's not
0: very good. Well, Wade Wade still like gave a bunch like storylines for Wonder Woman throughout his run. So he did like, actually Wonder have a little bit of a run yeah. with her.
1: Uh, Jeff Johns, not a very good Wonder Woman writer. Ah, uh, Morrison. He did. I mean, I know he has that Earth One stuff, but most people agree that his Wonder Woman's not the greatest. So yeah, it's Wade and Rucka, but Morrison's the one who proposes her little storyline bits, and nobody likes it. Like Rucka hates it yeah. the entire time. You can read the notes; like I was in the minority. Obviously, this is not very good, but whatever.
0: <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I think that that's why. Like I kind of saw that the Donna Troy because I felt like they were going to build like the Wonder Woman story with Donna Troy. But they just dropped it and they just forgot about it and kind of it kind of felt like once Donna Troy popped back up, they're like, hopefully people forget that we introduced her meeting monitor. We'd never went anywhere with it, but we were supposed to but hopefully people forgot by the end of it because we had yeah. four, 40 something issues afterwards but <laughs> but it, uh, but it was yeah and but I like I, I do totally agree with you on, in terms of that what 52 does such a good job of it makes me read characters I would never read an ongoing series or a miniseries for. Like Infinity, Inc., I would never read <laughs> Infinity, Inc. comic book, but this got me into it. This got me into... okay uh, like,
1: alert. Don't uh, read the Infinity, <laughs> Inc. spin-off series. It's trash.
0: <laughs> well, I just mean that like, in terms of like getting me invested in characters of like, hey, I want not, to maybe not read the ones that... Uh, uh, spin off from here, or just or try them out, but try out older stuff with these characters involved and things like that. It just gets me invested into those minor characters. Even like Ralph Dibby, I want to find out more about his. Like the only thing I know about Ralph Dibby is identity crisis and how much that turned me off to reading oh anything, God. anything related to them. But this, like like reading an extended extended version of Ralph Dibby, like spending so much time with him, I do want to go back and read. Pre identity crisis and how that identity crisis obviously ruined his character and dibney and all that stuff. But now it got me invested in reading and like I want to go back and see if I could find some elongated man story stories and comic books from like in the DC Universe app because they do a, they do a good job like we, having you spend so much time with these minor characters that are not the Trinity are not the main Teen Titans characters that we know are always pushed um, or the Justice League characters that we see always pushed. Um, and just get me invested into those, because like, just we could go into the Ralph Dibby story. Um, since I've been mentioning him uh, so much, is that it, it is? I'm glad that they spent so time showing how much Sue's uh, death impacted him and how much it changed him and changed like his outlook in terms of dealing with stuff. Yeah, I like.
1: Okay, so Ralph Dibney storyline is the biggest detective story in the bunch. Yeah. Oddly enough, not the question storyline. The big twist is: first, you think in storyline storylines take you through mystical DC, mm-hmm. which argue DC's probably got the healthiest mystical section of the big two. Um, but yeah, you can see him; he goes through this. He literally goes through hell and back. Yeah, through his story to in his quest to get um, Sue back. And at the after the tragic events of Identity Crisis, which nobody came out looking good except for Deathstroke, of all people. God,
0: I hate Identity Crisis. Yep.
1: Oh good. but either Same. way it's um either way so Sue's, but what's funny about ralph's story is it takes you through some interesting stuff so it does tie in cassie uh wonder girl at mm-hmm. the time they uh they also tie in to what's left for the justice league we also see a little bit one of the weird subplots also throughout this book is like holly queen's mayoral campaign yeah which that ties into his one year later stuff and they worked it in okay or zero this area was a weird addition to the book this is more like we also
0: like green lantern
1: yeah we saw green lantern we see metamorpho so we see all these characters and it ties in also really nicely to uh the croatoans the you know house of mystery group it is really cool his storyline so you first think oh it's a journey through the thing nope it's actually a big murder mystery the entire time Mm -hmm. and it's probably got he gets a whole issue to himself to reveal the murder mystery and it's it's an early conclusion it isn't as early as the Infinity Ink stuff and Infinity Ink stuff wrapped really quickly but oh my gosh the reveal of, of Ralph Diffany's storyline is probably one of the most satisfying one issue stories yeah like the entire time you think he became like this hardcore drunk and nope he's playing playing this, this, this uh, Captain this uh, Dr. Fate helmet that's not really Dr. Fate Playing him like a fool the entire time, which is really what the whole series is about. Is playing characters like a fool. Nobody's what it seems. Yeah. Like the uh, well, first we open the book. uh, Ralph David. looks like he's attempting suicide. Yeah. Happens very early. Turns out he wasn't attempting suicide. He was shooting himself with a wish gun.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's, uh, like, Ralph Dibby, like, outside of Black Adam, because I think, Black for me, Black Adam is my favorite storyline in 52, but outside of that, it's definitely Ralph Dibby, just because seeing him, his growth, and why I got so interested in going back and reading, like, elongated man's comic books uh, after this, um, just because we see him as a detective uh, and see how he's such a really good detective right up there with The Question and Batman, um, and maybe better um yeah, uh, they and, talk about and, that and as he's not like plastic man plastic
1: man's the clown he's the detective
0: yeah and and i like the whole entire thing especially like the resolution i thought was so cool cuz obviously he sacrificed he basically sacrifices him but he in sacrificing himself he tricks the big bad of of Felix Faust uh Neron i believe it is Neron yeah uh, um that yeah, and Christ tricks him yeah um and um Tricks them into killing him, but in killing him, he also like w- with the, with his ring, that that also kills the main bad guy. I was like, that is such a cool, creative way of like dealing with this this thing and showing the character as a long term thinker. He knew that he knew ahead of time what was going to happen, and even though he knew his death was coming, he's like, I'm going to take out the bad guy with me because this has to happen, or else the world is going to go to is going to go descend into hell. Um, and Which so it, it tries to do several times in the story literally. Yeah. yeah and but like I said it's just a cool way to show like build up a so, character build up a character death, and make it feel meaningful when it happens because he doesn't go out like a punk he actually goes out like a badass by
1: that. okay so there's some interesting parallels between him
0: and Black Adam
1: as you mentioned before it's kind of like there's this interesting story of uh, characters who have a bad days and what do they do Ralph Dibney has a bad day. And it looks like he's on the edge of, like, suicidal tendencies. Turns out he's actually not. He's doing something different. Um, but Black Adam has a bad day. He goes to genocide his entire country. Uh, but what's interesting is there's, it shows how the, the loss of family and loved ones and what they're willing to sacrifice. Because if anything, the Ralph Dibney storyline is a cautionary tale of about trade-off. You, as, to quote Full Metal Alchemist, it's equivalent exchange. Nice. You nice. Right, nice. <laughs> it's a equivalent exchange. If you want to get something, you have to trade something in return. And all these, it's kind of a weird thing, like all these good things that happen to Black Adam, almost all of them get reversed because he never actually put, never chose the trade. Now, I bring this up also as an interesting paralyze the spinoff series. So uh, 52, each of the 52 character major plot lines and some of the minor plot lines get spinoffs. And one of the spinoffs is Age of Black Adam, Age of Darkness. It's about Black Adam and his quest to get his powers back. Because at the end of of Infinity 2, Black Adam is removed his powers by Captain Marvel, Billy Batson. In the Black Adam series, in his journeys to get his powers back, he goes to Felix Faust and Neuron, who are trapped in this ring where they cannot leave because of Ralph Dibney. Hmm. Oh, nice. And what's interesting is he tries to get Felix Faust to resurrect his wife, Isis. Uh, and Felix and he tricks him with Ralph Dimney's corpse. Because funny thing is, they remember Ralph's dead, but they never actually got his body. Hmm. Uh, what's in okay, so you want to talk about weird storylines that don't get it resolved, as far as I can tell. Uh, at the end of that series, just to spoil it, uh Felix Foss does succeed in resurrecting Isis. But it doesn't tell but Captain Black Adam. Black Adam finds out what his new magic word is and all that stuff. But Black Adam is defeated. He feels defeated because he actually couldn't resurrect Isis, But Felix House did. I don't know if that ever got picked up in another storyline. Hmm. Uh not as far as I can tell, unless it got picked up in like JLA or Justice Society. Um, it may have. As far as I know, that
0: was a drop storyline. Yeah, and and just sticking on to Ralph Dibby's story, I think as much as I enjoyed Ralph Dibby's storyline and and everything going on with his character, this is another example of like. We have a, another character involved in his, which is in this case, Cassandra Sandsmark, uh, Wonder Girl. Um, she's built up and like kind of like Donna Troy, like as having her own character arc in here. But then does, as soon but, uh, really. but, but but it never just goes anywhere. She just kind of disappears after a while. She has like the one big meeting with uh, um, Booster Gold's uh, secret super, superhero identity. And then she just disappears after that even though she has like this moment where she thinks that uh what was it again supernova's the, the he thinks it's connor yeah he she thinks it's connor that's the last time you see her until like we Damn. see her at the end so it's like they build up these little things where like they have these big character moments for certain people and those people just disappear and it, think it's, it's just them. like it, it's just a annoying thing of like Man, they—I could see like obviously you have these major focuses. There's these major storylines going on, but I wish they wouldn't introduce these subplots that feel like they're major, and then just have those characters disappear and not be brought back. Which I guess could feed into Teen Titans and stuff like that. What her, Cassie's uh, story is there, but it just feels weird because then it brings up why is Cassie by herself? Why aren't any of the Teen Titans with her? Because we see the Teen Titans active. Why well, they is they said Nova- they never? They said she wouldn't return this, the calls. Like, yeah, but, her. but it, it just questions me of like, they could find her they like, they, yeah, they could, because it's not like she was outside. She was with the cold stuff, but then she was still out in the open. Like she wasn't like hiding very yeah They well. found, found like, her pretty easily. Like, so it was it was just more of annoyance. So I was just like, it just makes the teen Titans look horrible <laughs> to me. I think it's a
1: case of uh, in the fifty. In, like, it also does this with Ralph Dibney. Both her and Ralph are dealing with grief in completely in similar ways, but different ways. Um, she shows a cautionary tale falling into this religious belief in the cult yeah. stuff that we think Ralph is going through, but he's not. Turns out he plays it straight the entire time. It's kind of a cautionary tale. Her story kind of wraps a little early. And I wonder if there's some reasons for that. And I'm going to, yeah. I got some ideas to tell you, but I'm going to mention here in a second, but uh i think it's also because remember they also had trouble both all the justice league had trouble getting hold of ralph it wasn't until ralph contacted them so it ain't like they haven't been trying to call her it's that she has nothing she has nothing to do with them
0: yeah and i I think that might just be a structure problem too because i'm sure that probably they couldn't do too much with cassie since she was in the the main teen times story like series that's taking place into one year later um, well, the thing is,
1: they could and, do stuff, but it
0: was like it's weird what they it's, to do the, the the Ralph D B that that story when they are in the cult with like the the Green Arrow Justice League, but one that was like one of the funnier issues too for me because you hear Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Metamorpho having conversations basically the entire time. about one could No one could. Hear, no one could <laughs> and, and and no one could hear them, even though they're not not being very like sneaky about it because they're having pretty loud conversations, and it just makes me think of like. Why didn't anybody hear them? Like they were oh, not, he was using uh, telepathic uh, things with the earpiece. Uh, oh. Yeah, that's what
1: they said. Uh, he's okay. using green. the green earpieces for telepathic.
0: Oh, huh, okay. They don't have
1: John. So they're oh, having. Okay. This, that's why it's in green text bubbles.
0: Was it? Uh, okay. Maybe yeah, I did check it didn't look at me. Okay. Yeah, you could check that. But it was just funny to me of like, them having this conversation and them reacting. Not, not like it seemed like their hoods were up and stuff like that. But. Yeah, it was it, kind of silly. But it, no, it, 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 felt, it, felt, it felt silly because we spent so much time in that conversation. Um, yeah, it's
1: not presented as speech, it's presented as speech bubbles, but they're green because they're
0: using the read gotcha.
1: hat projections, but they're not it should have been thought bubbles, but they yeah, you know, comics had a thing against thought bubbles in the 2000s. But yeah, um, um but no, it was really good. Uh I think his storyline is probably it's emotionally speaking, he's one of the better storylines. Mm-hmm. It, but if I, if you were to like tell me to rank consequential storylines to so the overall plot, Ralph is probably the least consequential to the plot. I hate to say that.
0: Oh no, and, and you're right because his storyline is like the only real one that. It has no along open... with the, the mystery and like the stuff in space. Those two storylines they're kind of off on their own for the most part. Like they have some connection. Like Ralph has a little bit of connection with Ralph
1: overlaps like, with question. Right? overlaps with supernova. Yeah.
0: Um, I don't recall if he overlaps with Black Adam
1: or any of that. He does go to the Super science town, not the village, not the island, because to the town they were in, like this prison. So he does do some stuff with the group, but he's largely kind of separated. His, uh, I would also his,
0: his is Steve. mostly stands, His is mostly like standalone. I would say like you could have a comic book just dedicated to him. It would have yeah. it, it wouldn't have changed anything. Whereas like with the question. Was very much involved with the like inner gang stuff, along with Black Adam. Question of Black Adam,
1: you cannot separate those two. No,
0: yeah. So, okay. So one thing
1: I know we're going to wrap things up here in a second, but I want to mention the question. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of emotional stuff, though, I think the question. Okay. So you talked about using the year to actually show character growth. Black Adam had the most significant impact, but also Rene Matoya and her relationship with Vic Sage, or with the question. question. yeah, how it actually worked. Whenever we actually see the question die in the story, it is probably one of the most painful, but it's also one of the most realistic renditions yeah. of cancer. So, uh, side notes: my mom died of cancer uh, several years ago, and I'm, I'm sorry. It's it's okay, uh, but I want to bring this up because usually in superhero comics, cancer. <laughs> It doesn't get treated the way it does normally. Like there's only notable deaths that happen to cancers like Captain the Marvel version of Captain Marvel. And that's in the question. And the Marvel's version of Captain Marvel kind of all happens in one of the graphic novel, but the question stuff happens and within time you watch him slowly unwind and slowly descend and lose his functions and his health. And he coughs more and he just slowly starts dying. And it's very painful to watch and painful to read. And it's visceral. It's raw. And it's probably, it's one of the best emotional beats. And definitely one, and you can tell it's Greg Rusk, Greg, Greg Rucka um, heavily because it's very grounded. And it's, it's one of those things like, it's René Montoya is struggling with death because when coming into the series, René Montoya's main partner was killed in Gotham's uh, Central. Um, he was killed by a corrupt police officer. And when that happens, she has trouble with it. So she's quit the police force. she's becoming an alcoholic and she's just, you know, slumming her way through everything. And you see her slowly start to possibly accept the partner's death, but at the same time, she's afraid that she's lost another. and he, she ends up doing so, but she refuses to accept it. She goes through denial, she fights it. She goes through all the stages of grief, and it's probably like the Black Adam stuff is really good, and it's probably one of the best things. If Jeff Johns primarily wrote, it's probably one of the best things Jeff Johns has wrote in terms of emotional beats. He has, he doesn't do emotional beats very well, as much as the other art uh, uh, authors on this. But the question story is the one time, one of the few times in a comic book, and it's partly because of my own personal experiences. I actually teared up. In the death sequence, whenever we see Vic finally, you know, succumb to the illness. And it's just difficult to watch. And it's brutal. It's really well done, though, and how they actually have character growth with Renee. It's probably one of the best character growths in the entire series. And definitely one of the best character growths in the last 10 years, 10, 10 20 years. Uh, I do try to do some spinoff stuff with her, and it kind of hits... I wish they did more with her, but I think that's all predicated on Greg Garecca. And he didn't stick around for much longer after this.
0: Yeah, and, and that storyline I agree that it was really cool to see how that developed because something that I always like too is like kind of the legacy of the DC universe too, that so many character are so many characters with legacy and kind of um, it did feel like the question knew that his time was coming to an end and he and he found Renee Montoya as someone that he could mentor and take kind of take over for him and like just building that relationship up between them and, and making their their interaction their interactions feel the most real like with in terms of build up and in terms of how they they are able to connect where by the time that Vic Sage passes away you do feel it for Renee because she, we spent so much time seeing how their relationship develops over the course of 52 until that point that like her going through all the denial and everything. And then along with that, we get the introduction of Batwoman and seeing how Renee's relationship with Kate Kane is in here as well. Um, I think they did a really good job handling all that of like how Renee Montoya goes from basically going from the lowest point in her life to finally getting a new partner again um, and then losing that partner all over again and how she, it, it just piles up because she this is the second partner she felt really close to that she loses. Mm-hmm. And how does how did do, how does she deal with that and going through that because that is something that not a normal no normal person would be able to get over and she is a normal person for the like for the most part in this she doesn't and she doesn't really before she becomes the question she doesn't go through any sort of Batman training or anything where she shuts off her she can't shut off her emotions. Um but so she is she is the most grounded out of everybody and, and she's put into like more of the superhero setting and just going into becoming the new question of Going all through it, you're right that her art feels is like one of the best because they do such a good job building it through like Vic Sage's final days, final days and weeks.
1: Yeah, so it's it was really I really liked. It. I thought it was probably yeah.
0: one of the most well done parts of the story.
1: Um, it was reviewed as a hard. Uh, I want to always want to talk about the weird reviews uh so salon described 52 as a space opera a hard-boiled detective fiction psychological suspense light comedy and grand genial violence medical drama and straight up good guys versus bad guys action all butting up against each other and that's probably why i liked about 52 like i said at the beginning here it's an anthology series that doesn't follow traditional anthology structure it's very organic and you get to spend time with characters and you get to see them grow that you normally can't do in any kind of series um, now some of the weird quirks happened, there was like an editorial change uh, for part of the series Stephen Wacker is the head editor through most of it and about see, I can't remember what issue, I want to say it's around halfway point, Stephen Wacker leads to go to Marvel in the process let me see here editor changes from Stephen Wacker to Michael Siglin Sigalane. and he finishes it up so some plot lines got changed because they changed the editor for the book um while Mark Way okay. kind of functions as a weird micro editor in <laughs> large part but he's not the editor
0: yeah and, and what did you think of Batwoman's introduction because this is like Batman, like Cat, Cat, Kate Kane's reintroduction as Batwoman what did you think of like them how they handled it in this 52 since her storyline was basically with the question as well
1: yeah so yeah, that's one character we had not really touched upon. She's not in the book very much. Um, she gets introduced early, but where she's tied heavily into the question, for the most part, when the question's away from Gotham, she's not really seen, except for a few times we see her interact with Nightwing, which is interesting. Um, so, Kate Kane represents a lot of significant stuff for DC she is a major jewish character we don't see her don't see her very, very big major jewish characters and she's also um, lgbtq too uh, i'm sorry lgbtq uh, bt you know she's, she's lesbian. she she's as a yeah plus she has a relationship a former relationship with Randy matoya and for the most parts, there's some things. She's not explicitly sexualized. Like the Renee Matoya stuff, we always see her in bed with other women. But of course, I that think it's playing up the hardboiled fiction aspect of Renee Matoya a little bit because she's very much like a horrible detective. Her narration boxes. Um, K Kane's not presented in that regard, except they do some of Renee's narration is kind of seedy in places. Of course, hardboiled detective um i think she's probably one of the, she's a very important character she's the most important character out of this book in terms of breakout characters i mean she's got a show on cw right now uh, well the, the the title of character she's currently not kate kane it's complicated but um i think her introduction is pretty solid uh they messed up her introduction by the way they mentioned that in the editorial notes oh really okay so her introduction is early in 52 like in the very first volume of the trades, um, you, sp- you see her like crouched on a building top, and in reality, what was supposed to happen was she was supposed to be in shadow, that you weren't supposed to see her, and the audience was not supposed to know there was a Batwoman. Yeah, it's in 52 week nine, so we see her on a building top, excuse me, and this is after uh Vic and Renee's talking about Inner Gang being involved. And she's supposed to be in shadow because later subsequent appearances we see what's supposed to imply to be batman because we see a lot of bat shaped silhouettes and it's look like we're supposed to see batman but in reality it's you know batwoman but we see batwoman way earlier so she gets a artifact a debuted in week nine before she's supposed to also fun fact she was designed by Alex Ross her look and that's in the book too sorry i'm having to be looking at the sketch notes You know, you can see alex ross she originally looked look a lot
0: like batman beyond with a wig yeah i know and that I know. anytime i'm wearing batman beyond shirt now like everybody confuses it for bat batwoman now well you can see it looks like batwoman <laughs> yeah.
1: but know she had a batman beyond style face cap gotcha oh okay cool so she had like a full face pass with her hair flowing it's kind of weird design um I think now she does play a major role in inner gang because she's a part of a prophecy sacrifice. Uh, Inner gang is prophesized that inner gang will sacrifice her and she's supposed to open essentially a fire pits of apocalypse on the Gotham when she dies. Um, And her story kind of works that way. She has a lot of moments though. She's really, it's really well done. You don't get to see her as much in the book as you would like. But always she's the big breakout star. She becomes the star of Detective Comics shortly after this. Uh within a few months, like a couple of years after the uh Paul Denny run of Detective Ends. Uh she takes over for it like during, I think it's after uh, uh is it after Batman R.I.P. Uh yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, about a year
1: or so after this.
0: Yeah. And, and I I enjoyed it too. Like for the most part, she is not like she's not a she just she's a character that disappears, but one of the few that like even though she disappears, we still see her pop up here and there throughout the throughout the series and like slowly get developed. I, I like I did enjoy how her relationship with Renee Montoya was built out a little bit, but like the one I I prefer her her dynamic with Nightwing when Nightwing gets like he basically breaks off from his training with Bruce Wayne because he gets tired of sitting around waiting for Bruce Wayne to finish his spirit. Well, training. he also
1: realizes Gotham City's screwed.
0: Yeah, so. So I, I did enjoy that, that, that it's like a small character thing. And I did enjoy that. He's like, why, why are we just sitting around waiting for Bruce to finish his spiritual journey and let, let we need to get back to Gotham city. So, but, um, I did like just how he accepted bat, uh, like Kate as Batwoman, like he didn't really question it. He's not like, Hey, what are you, what, what do you think you're doing? He, he does like partner up with her pretty quickly. Like, and they have like a budding relationship going on and it, it it worked for like when the Batarang gift scene that they had yeah. together. That, that the was the probably...
1: The Holiday Christmas issue yeah. is probably one of the best issues in yeah. the story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I want to point there's a really tender moment with her and Renee because this is when Vic is ill and they're, she's staying with him. And they just sit there watching the menorah as it's blown out and they're watching the snowfall, And it's it's a really quiet moment and it's really well done. Sorry, I wanted to mention that.
0: No, yeah. And that, yeah, that, the Batarang that,
1: gift scene is really good too.
0: Yeah, and, and overall i th- thought that like in terms of just character introduction and just giving us a tease of what kate kane will be like when she takes over detective comics in the future and stuff at least lays the groundwork for what what her character will be um, mm-hmm. even though we don't get it as much but she's not really the star she's she is the breakout while well, she's the breakout star of this series for obvious reasons but she I, I like that they just hey this is just her character introduction we're not going to like we're or we are going to delve into her in the future but at least this is a baseline of just understanding the character and kind of getting behind it, and then we could explore her later on. Like, I thought it, it worked really well for that.
1: And I think they did really well with her. For, like you said, she's a big character. She doesn't show up as much as you would think based on how much you see her merchandising and stuff for it. She does play a bigger role later in the book when they come back to Gotham, whether they decide they're going to go take down the inner gang. And her big part of the book is she's chasing down uh, Robert Mannheim. And his uh, part of gang in Gotham. And it does some cool stuff with it. And they play with the time aspect. And we don't really get into the... We haven't really talked about the Intergang crime of religion. The religion crime. That is so weird. <laughs> and they talk about the prophecies and stuff. Because there's all these prophecies. And it's, and they do play on Kate Kane in a nice funny way of her name being Kane. And referring to the biblical Kane so it's that was an interesting thing like oh yeah we should probably mention that
0: yeah and that 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 stuff is it is what it is and i was just like oh it's typical villain plot line i, I like it. It, it it was fun it was fun it, it was past it was for me it was passable it was just like okay cool we just need it we need an antagonist and inner game was like the major antagonist throughout like mo- for most of the storylines it was because i read the uh because it plays a big role in
1: 52 not 52 it plays a big role in final crisis yeah uh, because in Final Crisis, uh, Libra is the cult of you know this. He ends up taking over the Church of Crime or whatever, and there's a whole spinoff series and all this. But what's interesting is it sets up Final Crisis, so yeah. I thought it was really interesting. And it's kind of a weird notion, and it's so weird and bat cra- It's just crazy. I liked it. It's it's <laughs> it's weird, and I, like they're cannibals. It's so freaking.
0: Yeah, and for me, I, I was like, it's like I said, in a I, good way.
1: I like weird cult stories in Batman books because yeah. Batman has this weird relationship with cults.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Like,
1: like almost
0: like, like, the, like, I the mean, the court of, of owls and stuff like that.
1: Not just that, because like, think of New Frontier, New Frontier, Batman's breaking up a cult. Oh yeah. That's how he introduced a in new frontier. Uh, Batman's constantly breaking up cults. He has a whole miniseries called Cult. But it, it works. I don't know why. Like it's a weird cult religion, and it has some interesting parallels to modern day weird mass cults like yeah. QAnon, because the prophecies keep, prophecies keep going wrong, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Yo, you got to keep the faith." No, the prophecies are wrong, and it's just funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, it keeps and, uh, and like I said, I don't mind that. I think the one story in in, in this old entire 52 that probably was the most underserved and i just never connected with was like the starfire animal man oh, gosh, and yeah. Adam strange i was just like it was like oh you forget those characters are involved and when they pop up you're like oh yeah you guys have your own storyline going on and then you have lobo introduced and i'm just like lobo takes off starfire's top and like things oh, like that over like and there's like so like that that entire thing is just like so what, whatever, like there was the most whatever storyline for this, and I was just like, if you took that storyline out of, out of this entire thing, it would not have made a difference whatsoever. It does not have, an yeah. impact. it has, does not have an impact whatsoever outside of you telling, telling us, oh yeah, there was characters like when, uh, Donna, Donna Troy's group were fighting uh, with in, in Infinite Crisis. There was some characters that were impacted and got separated out. It was that okay, that's basically the so, message. But
1: okay, what I don't like about it. So it's a Grant what's funny is it's a Grant Morrison story. And they talk about it. It's Grant Morrison. And I love Grant Morrison. I just, I'm not gonna lie to you. Anytime those three came up, I I glazed over. I was like, oh god, not them again. And it's not like their story is necessarily terrible, it's largely forgettable. Yeah. Um now the whole big thing is they're trying to take out this thing called Lady Styxia. And she doesn't die. She dies, but she doesn't. I'm assuming that gets carried on in the spinoff they do after this book. I have not read into that one. Um, like, there's bits where it's cool. But, like, okay, there's this... It's essentially annihilation for DC that's happening in this background. And it's got some interesting stuff. It deals with interesting concepts of, like, family and how to deal with family and distance. And, and they do some cool stuff with Animal Man. But I'm just going to be honest. It is my least favorite part of the book. And it's not just because it's inconsequential. it Maybe because it is inconsequential. I don't know. It is. Anytime that stuff came. When I'm not a big Lobo guy. And that's like the big character they add to it to kind of keep it going. And I'm like, uh, Anytime hey. they came up. Anytime they came up.
0: And i was like, come on. It, it is the most forgettable storyline in 52 to me. Um, even more so than like the side characters. To, okay, like, so... And, but um,
1: I think it, there's one reason why they do keep it in there. And there's only one reason. And I think this is it. So Donna Troy's group, at the beginning, they saw the beginning of the universe. Yeah. So, interesting enough, in terms of story, based on the rules of DC... If you see the beginning of the universe you need to die and that's essentially the plot of the book as they saw the beginning of the universe now what's funny is about the beginning of the universe it's the specter's hands i don't know if you knew this it's the specter's hands it shows up in crisis of infinite infinite earth shows up again in infinite crisis and the essential premise is you cannot see the beginning of the universe and I even think that it shows up in Blackest Night. It's a it's a common thing that keeps coming up, and that's the only reason I think they showed it because they had these characters show the beginning of the universe, and like we just can't let them get off scot free. Sorry, why? I just did a nonverbal. We're on the audio, but why? And it's, ugh. and it, oh gosh, I cannot. This is about, I literally don't want to talk about it much more than I can. I just can't bring the energy because it just. I did not care the entire time it came up. I'm like, why? And there was like a whole issue devoted to them. And I'm like, why am I reading this? Oh, it's, it was the least favorite thing I've ever had by Grant Morrison. Hold on, you're muted. I'm muted. Hold on.
0: Oh, just to wrap up and be on a more positive note here. Um, starting on such a negative note here uh, <sighs> I, I did like just circling back to what was going on on earth and stuff I did end up enjoying like the portrayal of Lex Luthor in here as well with yeah and I wish it, I like, did all, more with that like I did enjoy like where it ended I, like some of the journey wasn't as well done as I was hoping for but mm-hmm. in terms of the how it ended I did enjoy it because it's like the Lex Luthor I always think of like he's just like it's always he has a mo- like ulterior motive and then once he reveals that ulterior motive is when everything goes to to shit. And um, in terms of his, <laughs> like him becoming the ultimate ultimate supervillain, his ultimate goal is to be better than Superman or, or become Superman. And I, I did enjoy that. Like, this is my favorite, Like how, why I think Lex Luthor always works as a villain because at the end of the day, he just wants to be seen as the most powerful man around. Um, yeah. And, and I thought Luther, it was like- uh, The plot there, I
1: liked it. And then it's like it's one of those like I feel like they they probably suffered the most from the change of editors. It's like they didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, but I point.
0: but I did enjoy like the wrap up. I enjoyed change it of, because uh, like especially when they got to the reign of Su- of Superman. Oh, like, that's like, I the thought that was scene of the book. That, that was like when when he gives because in the Lex Luthor storyline he basically gives everybody powers, um, but he also has a button that could take away the powers. And when he when he hits that there's like it goes countdown and I thought that was such a cool thing to do because it's like building anticipation and then all of a sudden you start seeing everybody that he gives superpowers to just start raining from the sky and and then like and then just his facial reaction at that moment it was just like yeah I did that what what of it and it's just like a badass villain moment where it's like you got you are such a bad guy I hate you but I hate to I, I, I love to hate you
1: and he does it only to show them he has power over him yeah so he gives everybody powers and everybody's like that's why you give everybody powers and you know, and then, you yeah know, he's like i think everybody should have the ability to do all this stuff and the only reason he does it is so he could take away their power yeah and it reminds me of some another superman story uh alex luther story so and it actually ties into our boy connor Superboy. Um, so Superboy, he dies, and he disappears for quite a while. He doesn't come back till Brightest Day. That's when they bring him back. So he stays dead for a while. And when he comes back, he gets a little spin-off series with Jeff Johns uh, called The Man- the Boy of Steel and with Francis Monopole. And in there, he picks up the storyline from Teen Titans where he's still conflicted because he's a clone of both Superman and Lex Luthor. And he's like, am I Lex Luthor or am I Superman? And he tries to get Lex Luthor here. And he goes, Lex, please show me you're a good guy. Your sister is very sick because he's from Smallville. And he goes, your sister's here in Smallville. She's very sick. Can you help her? And Luthor does. He gets, has uh, Superboy get all this stuff for a cure for this disease. He makes a cure and cures it. And you're like, oh, my gosh, Luthor could get this. Then he turns around and gives her the disease again because he wanted to show he had the power to do it that's how evil he was he was going to take away the disease and only give it back to her again because he wanted to have the power that's all he cares about he's like i'm that superior and that's why i saw here it's kind of not so parallel. he gives and he takes us away because he can
0: yeah and i thought that it's the best portrayal and like when villains are written correctly like you love to hate them and that's like one of those moments where you're like i hate you but i love hating you, yeah, he's you, compelling. You're because you're a piece of piece of crap you're a piece of crap but it's compelling like it's a great way of co- telling a compelling story around a character um and keeping him as a bad guy he's not treated as a good guy like he always has kind of attitude as a like he always has something going on and you know it's kind of like when kingpin is like wilson fisk is written the best um is it's kind of is kind of this of like where he has an ulterior motive for everything he does um and i enjoy that and overall, like just in terms of Fifty Two, what, what do you think of Fifty Two? Did it get you into? Um, and we, this is how we'll end it, of like wanting to read more, like one year later, like after it wraps up, or okay, what, what so, do you what are what what are your of Fifty Two okay. once you finished it?
1: So Fifty Two came out at the same time as One Year Later. Uh, that's a little note there. So it came out simultaneous. Um, so that's one of the reasons that in Fifty Two they had trouble with some characters was. Some characters are off the books because they couldn't conflict with their one year later story, um, or they had to come up somehow make it end with their one year later story, which is true. I, well, as I said earlier in the very beginning of the podcast, one of the first trades I bought was Fifty Two Volume One. The second, or either that, or the first trade I bought was Superman Up, Up and Away, which is the one year later story. I, um, I view this era as DC. It's. Uh, it ends up becoming a little bit of a mess but that stretch from Infinite Crisis to I would say Brightest Day is one of the strongest stretches in terms of pure comics from DC mm. of the last 20 years Okay. Um, so if you look at my trade collection for DC a lot of them come from that era uh, you get coming out of this book you get I end up breaking up Booster Gold I did tell you that at the beginning and in the first arc by the way is called 52 Pickup it's, it's kind of a tongue in cheek reference there um I did end up getting I also went back after reading 52. I ended up going back and reading Infinite Crisis and Crisis on the Infinite Earth. So I didn't have any reading back issues. It got me really into DC. Um, his first DC thing I read, or early first thing, I want to say it was the first thing. I got it while I was still in high school, and I remember reading it, and it got me so interested in lore of DC and how the DC mythos worked. And it got me hooked in this notion of DC legacies, as you mentioned earlier that it caused me to go back and pick up the rest of the stuff. Um one thing I've never got to finish doing was reading all of Inf- the Infinite Crisis build up because there's a billion things that were count to Infinite Crisis mm-hmm. or road to Infinite Crisis. But I because of 52, I got to read it all, I got to where I wanted to read more things. I remember being really into Black Adam and probably one of the most excited things I have about right now about Bendis's. Justice League it's if see, he seems to be picking up on Black Adam from 52 then Black Adam the maniacal supervillain cuz his characterization is the 52
0: characterization.
1: Oh nice. Okay. If you have you read Justice League? You have you read No,
0: it? I have no. I have not read Justice League. I'm Okay. So I'm I'm waiting on that just cuz I haven't been into like Bendis's uh DC work. So I am just I, haven't read, I didn't I didn't read Bendis's DC
1: stuff. Uh, Uh, mainly because i just was busy um i'm planning on going back and reading the bendis run i've heard it's mixed bag but he brings up he has black adam introduced in the first issue and the black adam we see there is much more in line with the 52 characterization nice he references 52 events he references the death of isis he shows he's not as as a vicious of a villain because a character, the kid goes, hey, you gave, he gave him some candy. He goes, where did you get this candy? He goes, I stole it. Well, as we've learned before, in the past, Black Adam would just rip that kid's hand off. Or, you know, whole body. Because Black Adam's pretty vicious like that. And he doesn't care. And anything that he doesn't care, he doesn't. It doesn't, he knows that's not a big deal. So, like, you see the characterizations there from 52. And it made me interested in that. And Black Adam... It's it's a really good book. 52 is one of those things I recommend. It is very it is better if you read the continuity or understand the context, but it's also really good on its own because, as I said, it's a really good hard hard-boiled, hardboiled detective story. It's a decent sci-fi story, and I don't care for it as much. It does time travel and does time travel interesting, and the super scientist stuff is really fun. Uh, there's some things I don't think they did as well as they could have. It's flawed, but anytime you're writing a book 52 issues between four writers it's um, it's going to be a mess it's going to have some issues getting dropped and picked up and they may decide things halfway through it's very much you get to see how the sausage is made as it's getting made in real time so it's not yeah. a tight 50
0: yeah and for for myself i think it did get me interested in reading for the most part all the stuff that happened one year later all the way up to final crisis and stuff i definitely yeah. want to dig into it because i like I mentioned before, the only real thing that I've read in terms of this era of of DC comics is the bat like bat like uh, Grant Morrison's Batman, uh the Paul Dini's Detective Comics run and some oh, those are good. and some and some other Bat family stuff. And then also uh the Green Lantern Green Lantern, like Sinestro uh Sinistra Corp War and all that stuff. Um Green Lantern related, I did didn't read some of that. But when it comes to Superman, the Justice League and all that stuff, I just I wasn't able to read okay. it just for, for different reasons, but... The Johns um, are on a super... Um, action Comics is really good. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, and i that, and I definitely heard, heard that, and it's going to be on my list of things I'm, I'm already collecting. Like, definitely uh, check that DC, out. On the DC Universe app, uh, DC, or um, DC Universe Infinite app, I'm putting together a list of stuff that I want to read.
1: Okay, which is so I wanted to point out, if you want to read something really good coming off this book, if you read, if you read 52, you will have 52, and you won't know what the DC stuff you want to read. And I think it probably helps a lot. Read the JSA and the Justice Society of America series. Hmm. Uh, They got renamed because they were were sister series of JLA. So when JLA became Justice League of America after after the Infinite Crisis stuff, JSA became Justice Society of America. Um, They're written by Jeff Johns and James Robinson. And a large, I'm not lying to you, a large part of that influences 52 so much.
0: Oh, okay yeah and I'll definitely have to check those out because I like I said it 52 definitely got me into into it obviously if you're going planning on reading this as well I do kind of suggest reading Infinite crisis ahead of time because it basically shapes yeah. it, it does it does shape what what this is and kind of explain why they're in a world without Batman Superman and Wonder Woman specifically and but for the most part in terms of I, I have read that event it did shape, it did get me invested into reading everything else that occurred. Between this and Final Crisis, um, so I'm definitely going to go back and read it. Like probably the only thing that it didn't get me into reading was anything Wonder Woman related because they did not do a good job with any Wonder Woman characters in this series. They did so, not. Uh, so while I'm going to, I, I have uh, different runs that I'm collecting right now, like Gayle Simones and stuff like that that I want to read for, for it in terms of the, the characters that really didn't get um, do justice in this was one anything related to Wonder Woman's uh, franchise. But I do want to re- read those just because, again, everything out, everything from this era did get me invested into reading the non-Batman stuff that I read. So, I
1: recommend, um, like I said, I highly recommend the JSA and Justice Society. That's probably the tightest book of this bunch. Um, other stuff, like there's spinoffs, by the way. And after 52, several things yeah. got spinoffs. Booster Gold's probably the best of it. <laughs> He got forty two issue, forty eight issues of the series. It ran until, uh, yeah, it ran until New Fifty Two.
0: Oh no, okay, nice.
1: So it ran pretty much almost all the way up. Not on New Fifty Two. I think it ran to like Brightest Day. It ran to the very end <laughs> there. It ran pretty well. It didn't stay with Jeff Johns for the entirety. Of. He only did like the first year, but then it became Dan Jergens, which is super, you know, Booster Gold's daddy. Anyway, so it kind of worked really well. Uh, if you wanna, that's probably the best spinoff of the books. I do okay. not. I highly tell people do not read Infinity Inc. Infinity Inc. is, oh, trash. <laughs> it lasted a long time. It lasted a year, but it was not good.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh okay. it's not
1: good. Uh, especially the last two arcs, last two issues. I have looked at them today because I was like, oh, they're tied into something with these, the Dark Side Club, which is like Final Crisis preludes, and it looks. I am not a great artist, but I drew a better artwork than that. And I'm like, that got published by DC. <laughs> oh, that was, I've read some indie books that look better than that. Oh, gosh, it was terrible. But uh, other than that, though, there's the Crime Bible series. I've heard good things about that one. That deals if you like the Mannheim stuff and all that. But uh, one thing I wish they did more of was they did more Black Adam. After this, you only get to see um, he gets that mini series black adam uh dark ages and he pretty much drops off the face of the earth
0: and but he he's involved in countdown though like the <sighs> yeah right? but nobody reads countdown <laughs> i might don't just read countdown i might don't just experience it <laughs> but anyways oh, yeah oh no don't read countdown but anyways um but yeah it's going um, yeah, it'll be fun to just go back to this era of uh dc comics it's a good just era. yeah cuz i have heard it's got it's its flaws, it has flaws but it's really good yeah, and and just era I feel like era era is like not not no era is perfect, but at least I want to experience it and that's the great thing about the DC Universe Infinite app that. Hey, yeah, I could go back and read all all these comic books and and just kind of experience what a lot of people got to experience in real time and see how it holds up now like in yeah. looking at it's, it from a 2021 mindset, so.
1: It's good. It has its moments. Um like the the post stuff. I I really yeah. like that era. Okay. Like I said, it was the era I got into DC. I, like I said, I recommend the Jeff Johns trying to action comics, which runs from one year later to New Krypton. I didn't read New Krypton. That's just because comics got a whole harder for me to keep up with around my time. Um, and I do recommend the uh, Green Lantern stuff. Always oh, really good.
0: Yeah, yeah, and which I which uh, I read uh, for the most part. So I know the Green Lantern. Green Lantern Green Lantern Corps. Uh, I have a one of the collections over there. Um, but yeah, all right. I think that really wraps up all our thoughts on Fifty Two. So yeah. So if you want to check it out, you could check it out on Comicsology. I know it has all the trades if you want to buy them. But it's also all on DC Universe Infinite. Uh, is how I I read it um, on on the app. So so I definitely recommend checking it out. It's it's a fun fun look at, especially like seeing a world without Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman seeing what the DC universe is like for a whole year with that is it's actually really fun to see um because mm-hmm. because it's a different look and like jo- Jordan and I have said it's a look into all the other other characters in the DC universe and you get to see how expansive the universe really is um and it's just not the justice it's not just about the Justice League and like the Batman characters um so but yeah um but again thank you very much Jordan for joining me on this uh, podcast. Uh, if people wanted to find you, where could we find you on social media and everywhere else online?
1: All right, uh, first off, website is extremelyuncanny.com. Uh, it's a review website, blog, and stuff. Uh, kind of taking a little bit of a lull, took a step back here, but uh, hopefully by the time I, if I get guests on again here soon, I'll have, a, I have my own podcast and plans. I got to get up and running. Uh, hopefully I'll get that up and running soon. Um as for twitter at unca- extremely uncanny but it's extremely without the extra e so it's e-x-t-r-e-m-l-y uncanny uh the reason why it's character limits on the usernames but <laughs> uh, you can find me there on twitter so it's a tensional typo please believe me it was not accidental i could not fit an e in there i didn't want to take the e off the front so i took the e off in the middle i, don't know why I did that but i did <laughs> um and uh that's about the best places to find me i do have an instagram extremely uncanny same thing but you know spelled properly that's on instagram i post stuff on there uh with various comic book stuff pages and book covers and comic halls
0: nice stuff Nice. Okay. And, and as for myself, you can find me at kevinl007 on Twitter and Instagram and Nerdy Kev on TikTok. And then obviously you could find my work for in terms of reviewing comic books, manga, anime, and different types of stuff on comicbookrevolution.com. Um, I've been posting a lot of stuff on Infinite Frontier and a lot of the stuff that's going on with Marvel. Um, in terms of their King and Black and and things like that, so definitely go check out the website for all the details. I think I've been do- I've been trying to do more manga stuff, especially like with My Hero Academia coming back and things like that. So definitely go check out comicbookrevolution.com for all for all those all those wonderful spoilery reviews. So, um, but yeah, again, thank you very much, Jordan, for joining me on this episode, and I hope everyone has a good night.